Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome, folks, to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's show, we welcome special guest, Ruben Minsky. Ruben is the founder, chairman, and CEO of ProCaps Group, a developer of pharmaceutical and nutraceutical solutions, medicines, and hospital supplies that reach more than 50 countries in all five continents. On the podcast, Ruben discusses how ProCaps has evolved over the past 44 years since its founding, the macro case for Latin American healthcare as a sector to invest in, ProCaps growth strategy and approach to M&A, insights into the recent SPAC merger, and more. So with no further ado, here's our show with ProCaps CEO Ruben Minsky. We have Ruben from ProCaps on the podcast all the way from Colombia. I'm sure the weather there is great, certainly better than it is up here. So Ruben, let's kick things off going through your background. You founded ProCaps 44 years ago, so you've done it for basically your entire career. What exactly does the company do? Can you give us a brief background on the company and how has ProCaps evolved over the past four plus decades? Okay, great. Okay, thank you for having me, uh, Julian and Mike. Uh, I appreciate it. So we, uh, we are a pharmaceutical company. Uh, one third of our business is in the CDMO side, which is extremely important to us. As a, as a, it's a great tool for learning experience. And then the, the other two thirds are our own pharma business with our own brands and products. Uh, we have been, uh, since in the last four decades, we were, of course, uh, quite a small player in the world in, in social gelatin capsule, which is our main delivery system, oral delivery systems, and all the variations are, are uh, around the, the, the gelatin manufacturing or gelatin capsules manufacturing. Uh, so what we... Uh, in the last 44 years, we have gained great strength in, in growing slowly but surely. Of course, one brick at a time, as I always like to say, that nobody allowed us to use an elevator. We had to go through the stairs one step at a time. And we uh, today, uh, we are third in the world in, in terms of volume of social gelatin capsules with 5.3 billion capsules uh, on a yearly basis. I'm, I'm sorry, 5.3% uh, of, of, the, of the market share, which is about almost about 12 billion capsules per year. And uh, we're also uh, an important player in the, in the social gelatin uh, business in the pharmaceutical side in the region, in the Colombian, in the, in the region in Colombia. In, in, in terms of the CDMO business, we export to more than 50 countries worldwide in the five continents. And in the regular pharma uh, uh, manufacturing, pharma uh, branded products, we go to 13 different countries in the region. Okay, and for those that don't know what CDMO is, could you provide a brief explanation on how that business works? Oh, absolutely, we're glad. So it's a contract uh, developer manufacturing organization. What we do is somebody comes to us or we come to them, we go to them and we say, you, you gentlemen have a portfolio that needs some revamping. 
can we offer you some oral delivery systems which are innovative, which have patented technologies, which are very unique. And then they will say, yes, let's go ahead. And then their research and development labs and our labs get together and we start working on a product to be developed for them. So it's a, it's a, it, it, it just goes beyond just the regular contracting of a manufacturer itself. And it's more into the developing and contract uh, products uh, for, for the future. So it's a, it's a very, it's, it, we get very much into the value chain of the customer uh, as, a, as an ICDMO as we are. And I heard you mention, you know, technology and uh, being in business at 44 years, I'm sure you developed a lot of proprietary intellectual property. Could you describe ProCap's core competency and your competitive advantage within the marketplace? Yes, we, we are very uh, innovative. We have, we have more than 34 patents of our own, more than 50 coming on board. Uh, a lot of uh, efforts and investments. We, able, we invest around 4% of our revenues in, in research and development on a yearly basis. And uh, we are, this, this side of the business, we have over 300 people just working full-time, 24-7, uh, on uh, technologies and product developments from relations and delivery systems. So what is unique of our company is, of course, the uniqueness of our patented technologies or all our delivery systems that are very well valued by the doctors, by the medical community, by the patients, and by the consumers. We feel we have great strength in that side. We also, of course, are quite, uh, our size allows us to be very fast in time to, to market the strategy. And of course, the cost competitive being in, in, in Colombia, in the region where, of course, the costs are, are much uh, more affordable that in the U.S. or the European uh, uh, continent. That's a good point with respect to being located in Colombia and the lower costs from a manufacturing perspective. Now, going through 2020, obviously a crazy year for most companies. Now, being in the healthcare sector, some companies, this was uh, a big accelerator in terms of their business model. I was wondering... From a COVID perspective, how that affected ProCaps? Because I know personally, I increased my vitamin and capsule intake dramatically. I think I'm up to about like a dozen capsules per day just in uh, vitamin consumption. I was wondering, you know, was COVID uh, a net benefit or was it negative for ProCaps? It was it, uh, it actually was a, like an even, uh, I would say. It's a, it, was an, it was a very uh, uh, balanced profitability system by which we had the portfolio changed dramatically and you're right some of the products they consume at home were increased in in the amount of volume that the people were consume, uh, consuming them and some of them in the other side reduced uh, we had high in our pharma business i must also say to you julian uh, 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 that we also have we have six manufacturing sites right uh, we have manufacturing sites in colombia visited and approved by the fda uh, actually, we were the first approved FDA facility for RX products in the U.S. was in Colombia. And we also have manufacturing sites in, in Brazil and in Salvador. So going back to your question, it has been like an equilibrium. Uh, we had a high demand for our injectable sterile manufactured products for uh, clinics, hospitals, internal, uh, the, all these uh, the ICUs. Uh, in, the, in, in the U.S. or anywhere in the, in the world, uh, they became 
very demanding on, on anesthetics, on anticoagulants, on corticoids. So it's all this, it became like a very unbalanced, but it's going back to reality. Right now we see a, quite a clear trend for this to be balanced out. And we do expect it to be in three, four months uh, to be almost to the point pre-COVID. So it certainly helps to have that balanced business model and be well diversified. So I want to talk about being based uh, in Colombia and the focus on Central and South America in terms of distribution, because many investors, of which our listeners are, they tend to have a home country bias. As such, most of our listeners invest in the U.S. and, and Canada from a high level, what's the case for investing in Central and South America? Why did you guys make that your focus? Okay, that, that, that's a great question. So what we have in South America is if you go into the pharma business as such, the real growth, by all means, that you measure it, it's in, it's in, are in the emerging markets, especially South America in today's world, some of the South Asian countries too. So you have, for example, that when the when the projected growth of the pharma business in the uh, in the EU and the, in the all the develop in the world actually the global pharma business is around six percent in the next five years, uh, in the region it's about twenty one percent. When you have uh, just to give you a sense of the of the potential growth of the pharma business in our region. Our total market value is around $52 billion for 660 million people. When you go to the U.S., where you have 330 million people with $520 million volume on, in, in sales uh, in the U.S. just alone, you, you can see clearly that it's extremely, the, the space for growth in the pharma consumption in this region is, is fantastic. Now, in the other side, the governments, are more and more pressured uh, to, to increase the universal coverage of the social medicine system. And it, it is doing, it is going very fine. Countries like, for example, Colombia right now is 93%. Uh, it used to be about 75% just five years ago. So the, the countries are investing heavily because governments have clearly the, that this is a non-negotiable non item. And this has translated into the aging population in a, in a much growing at a much faster pace than you do that it goes when you go to the, for example, countries like like the U.S. In in, in here you today in today's world in 2021 we are on 10%, 11% of of aging population that is people over 65 years old and it's expected to be in 15 years time at almost 20%. So the increase of this aging population demanding chronic diseases, medicines, is, is, uh, is, is impressive. And we are looking forward to that. More, most of our portfolio, the one we have investing money on research and developing, on development, it is indeed chronic diseases uh, for the aging population. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate. Do you want to diversify your investment portfolio while benefiting the planet? The Accelerate Carbon Negative Bitcoin ETF, symbol ABTC on the Toronto Stock Exchange, provides investors with exposure to Bitcoin while protecting the environment. Accelerate implements a global tree planting campaign to sequester carbon emissions and help fight climate change. Up to 10% of ABTC's 69 basis point management fee will be allocated to Accelerate's annual tree planting campaign. 
For each $1,000 invested in ABTC, an estimated one net ton of carbon dioxide is expected to be sequestered each year. Buy Bitcoin, save the planet. Find out more at investabtc.com. So you talked about the really favorable top-line growth potential for, for the region. Can you can you provide a little bit of a comparison of the competitive dynamic that that is taking place in South America and Latin America versus North America in the in the uh, healthcare market? Yes, it, it, I can I can tell you a little bit about the pharmaceutical side. We are there the the composition of the market is is a mixture between the multinational, the big global pharma players, and the local ones. The local multi Latins have increased dramatically over the last few years. We have today, it's a, it's a, it's a, if you go into a benchmark, ourselves, for example, Procaps and the Procaps Group, we have increased, uh, we have the highest growth in our 13 countries where we have presence. Uh, we, have, we have the highest growth, uh, and it's 19% in the last year and a half, almost two years. So it, it, it is growing, the whole, the multi-Latin companies are growing at a much faster pace than the global players are in, in the region. And that's where it, it really becomes very important when we go into the issues of M&As and everything. You will find that it is, it is a, a very important issue that come to this country's greenfield to, for, for, for global players is much more difficult the, than anywhere else. It's, you know, to, to come here... It would take them many, many years for, for them to grow in this, in this uh, region of the world. You mentioned M&A, and a common theme that I keep hearing coming up is growth, growth, growth. Now, you're forecasting revenue more than $1 billion five years out, which represents a fairly attractive double-digit revenue compound annual growth rate through a mix of organic growth and M&A. I was wondering, can you discuss ProCap's growth strategy and along with that, the uh, M&A strategy as well. Great. Okay. So we, we do expect to be at $1 billion uh, in five years' time. We are absolutely convinced that that's a, a, totally unattainable, uh, of course. Uh, we have our growth in the, in the, uh, in our, the organic growth is, is, is being by launches. We have more than 600 products to be launched in all the region in the next two years. And then we have also the rollout of our successful products to these 13 different countries and to opening new geographies for ourselves. It is extremely important in this organic growth. We have increased capacity in our social manufacturing side. Our CDMO business is growing at a mid-teens growth rate on a yearly basis. And we do expect to be very significant in the world today. Uh, once again, we are number three in the world in terms of volume of capsules. Uh, and, and when we go to the M&A strategy, where are we going? In the CDMO business, we see clearly opportunities in increasing our capacity of CDMO in Brazil. We see also a, a very important market in Mexico. We like very much in Mexico. We are not there yet. And that's, of course, as, as you well know, is, is the second largest in South America. And then when you go to, to the U.S., it is very difficult with a market which is more than 40% of the total world marketing pharma business not to be there in the CDMO side. So as far as M&As and investment strategies in the CDMO business, that's where we want to go. 
regarding the 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 uh, our own brands, the other seventy percent of our market, the other two thirds, we expect to, to grow in a much stronger way uh, in in the region, in the thirteen countries, and once again in the geographies, and of course. M&A to us in Mexico is high priority. We do expect, we do want to be in that market. It's 110 million people. It's once again, it's the second largest in South America. We are in Brazil and we're growing very nicely in Brazil too. So we, we have great expectations. We are absolutely convinced that this $1 billion target for, for in five years time is totally attainable. And to frame that, growth and that projection for investors what's like your current run rate revenue and do you expect to fund that growth just from free cash flow today today we're on 450 million dollar uh, revenue company uh, with an EBITDA of about 105 million dollars and we do expect to be a 1 billion uh, with a 25 26 percent uh, EBITDA percentage Right. That makes sense. So it's not necessarily uh, that much of a stretch. You've built a, a business that's, over the past 44 years, growing to nearly a half billion dollars in sales. Very profitable, too, as well. So with respect to this growth rate, one part of it is inorganic on the M&A side, but combined with organic growth as well. How does research and development play into that? Are you guys spending a lot on R&D? Is that uh, a major source of your growth? Absolutely. This is a hugely important question because what we do in here is we are, we're always looking to differentiate ourselves through our oral delivery technologies. What we are doing all the time is bringing products which are valued by, by the medical community, by the, by the patients, by the, by the end consumers. These are differentiated products with our own technologies, our oral delivery systems. As you know, the oral delivery systems for medicines are the highest growth have the higher growth in the in the world today, and soft shell gel capsules and soft gel related technologies are the most preferable oral delivery system in the world today too. So when you are dealing with a, how do we see the world, where do we see our growth? Yes, absolutely. Our products, our formulations, our delivery systems will bring differentiation. Will allow us to charge premium prices to the consumers, and will allow our customers in the CDMO business to do the same. So we do expect very high growth coming from research and development to all these uh, new technologies, the new patents, and the new uh, areas of, of research and development which we are embarking on. And now, a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest-growing alternative investment solution providers, with a suite of institutional-caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF, with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. You mentioned earlier that you have the first FDA-approved manufacturing facility in South America. I believe it was your Colombian facility. And can you talk a little bit about what that process was like to, to get that approval with the FDA? Well, it was it was quite complicated, uh, Mike, and, and I must say that we we suffered a lot. It was about five years in the making. Uh, it, it is the first. It was the first one to be approved for RX products in the U.S. 
there have other facilities to be approved that have been approved for other type of OTC products. I think or RX. It was so we got approval for for uh, two products: progesterone and and they and it was a very lengthy process. Especially the FDA didn't want to come to Colombia at that time. Uh, we have come a long way since then. That was uh, 2010, 2012, and uh, hopefully we were very lucky at one time that we got all the help and 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 they finally came. But it was five years in the making from the moment we we submitted to the FDA until we were approved. So we, a lot of suffering, a lot of uh, sweat and tears, but it, we, thank God we are there now. We, um, we're very lucky. We have been doing very nicely. We have been exporting to the U.S. and, and probably one, some of you or some of your family have taken our medicine, hopefully. Sounds like it was worthwhile. And, and speaking of a, uh, of a long road, 44 years in business and finally tapping the public markets recently went public through a merger with Union Acquisition Corp. 2. What made you choose the SPAC route to go public in the U.S.? But we were looking, we had, we had an opportunity. We felt that at that moment, I was telling all the board and our shareholders all the time that I thought that they, it was, we were in a very unique moment in our lifetime. After 44 years, we had a great amount of talent. We have a fantastic pipeline. We have technologies to differentiate us from, from the rest of the crowd. We really felt that we had the process on time, the maturity of the organization to confront and think big. And uh, finally, we were looking for a SPAC that was uh, specialized in the LATAM uh, business. We, we understood quite well that the, the, how exotic it was for uh, to sell uh, stocks from a South American uh, origin company, moreover from Colombia, into the U.S. market. Uh, so we, we felt that we had to really uh, find a partner that will go have a hand with us and that will know the LATAM the, the uniqueness, the opportunities there, the fantastic space for growth uh, in the region. And, and that's where then we found the, the Union Acquisitions Group. Now, the SPAC market is fairly competitive. There's lots of them out there. I was wondering, what made Union Acquisition Corp. to the right SPAC partner for you? Of course, they were focused on the Latin America, that market. Is, was that the key differentiating factor, that specialization, or were there other factors as well? Well, we, we, they had, a, they had a very capable uh, leaders in the organization, in the SPAC. We, were, we felt very comfortable with them. But I should also mention that the SPAC itself gave us a great opportunity. We were, since the beginning, we were thinking that we will be joining, we will probably go in for an IPO in 2023, 2024. But the SPAC was so hot at that moment, and we found that the SPAC gave us the opportunity of, of doing an IPO in a much faster way, but also in addition to that, to be able to produce and show information of our company uh, that will allow us, that would not be able to do when a, a regular IPO process. So that, we felt that it was a very unique opportunity because for companies like us, we had to show much more than a regular IPO of a U.S. or European uh, origin company in the in the U.S., so the the SPAC itself was a great opportunity, but also, of course, Union Acquisitions was a great partner for that. And given you recently completed that going process, 
uh, going public process through a SPAC. What are some key strategies to successfully managing that DSPAC process as the deal closes? I know there's a lot of focus on getting your ducks in a row. How did you manage that successfully? Well, we just focused ourselves in, 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 in bringing the results to the table to bring in good numbers. Uh, our revenue growth was fantastic uh, in the first half of the year. Uh, we have been doing very well ever since, and we, we foresee at the end of the year situation that will do the same. So we were working hand by hand, doing presentations to all the, the SPAC holders and making sure that everybody stayed on board, that we would be able to, to bring them uh, and, and, and be partners of our endeavor. I think that it was a great opportunity for them to capitalize on, on a very high growth area and our company being such a mature company, but also young in spirit, uh, in the entrepreneur uh, spirit, uh, was a great opportunity for them to invest. Yeah, and for investors, it's a pretty unique opportunity in terms of what you're getting access to, which is that emerging market growth combined with you know, growth in the healthcare pharmaceutical space. So it's an interesting story. It's currently trading under the ticket symbol PROC, new to the public markets, but the business has been around for well over 40 years. So a really cool story. You mentioned 5.3% market share in capsules, number three in the world. So it is a sizable business trying to get to more than $1 billion in sales five years out, and you're almost at a half billion run rate today. So Ruben, thanks for sharing your story with us today, the ProCap story. Uh, It's really cool if someone wants that exposure to Latin American growth, and perhaps uh, Mike and I could line up a due diligence trip to come visit Colombia. <laughs> uh, please do. We will, you're more than welcome. We would love to have you here. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Julian, and thank you, Mike, so much for, for this opportunity. Perfect. Thank you as well. Wish you the best of luck. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.